Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser. I came to an epiphany years ago that there's really no such thing as a guilty pleasure. I know there are movies, television shows, and music that are seen as guilty pleasures, junk food for the mind, but there's enough negativity in this world without subjecting your entertainment to this scrutiny. I mean, if you enjoy it, enjoy it. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, as a famous person once said. Uh, In that musical vein, we're actually going to discuss... Well, uh, we're going to discuss once again something that is a part of a thing that I enjoy uh, and not necessarily the way I enjoy it. Um, We're going to be stepping out to Eden, yay brother, to discuss the Star Trek episode, The Way to Eden. If you understand one, you know our purpose. I would prefer that you state it. We turn our backs on confusion and seek the beginning. What is your destination? The planet Eden. That planet is a myth. And we protest against being harassed, pursued, attacked, seized, and transported here against our wishes. Right, brother. We do not recognize Federation regulations nor the existence of hostilities. We recognize no authority save that within ourselves. Well, whether you recognize authority or not, I am it on the ship. Somewhat in error. When will we get there? At this speed, three hours. 
I'll try to persuade us to change course presently, and then they'll attack. How do you plan to stop them? By cutting off their life support? I have another weapon. Take control, Brother Rad. What are you doing? Making an adjustment on their circuits. And now to Eden. Yeah, brother. Just full of acid. Even the grass, Jim. Will our clothing protect us? It should for a while, Captain. Yay, brother. Um, Star Trek has been a part of my life since, uh, well, so almost as long as I can remember. I remember the first time I saw the program, I was, uh, I was very young, and I was at a bowling alley. Uh, my parents were bowling, and I was sitting in the lounge area eating the, the oddest-tasting hamburger I think I've ever had in my life and watching Star Trek. Now, the bowling alley itself had sort of uh, pastel-colored walls with glitter in mixed in. So the bowling alley looked an awful lot like the Enterprise. I just was really struck by the, the color, the visual appeal of Star Trek. When I was first watching it as a child, um, typically after church it was on, um, I was really, it was really the color. It was the pop of everything. The orange and pink colored skies and the velour outfits and the odd monsters and the general uh, warm tone of the interior of the Enterprise. Um, that I, I, as I grew older, I really came to enjoy the series for its, um, its cleverness, for its ability to discuss uh, topics of the day in a science fiction vein to make uh, incisive commentary and to use these science fiction characters to discuss the human condition. I grew from liking to loving Star Trek pretty quickly. The, uh, the show ran for three years. So you got all three seasons in syndication when I was a kid. And the first episode is very clever, uh, almost a little too brainy for television, very experimental, and they're just kind of finding their way. I feel like the second season is when everything really clicks, when the characters become really lovable, front and center, the world is lived in, um, everything just feels organic, and the situations grow from how much you enjoy these characters and anticipate their reactions to things. From my understanding, the third season ran into some trouble, and they brought in an outside producer, um, Freddie Freeberger, who I think I probably mentioned in the uh, Space 1999 episode a long time ago, as uh, his place in pop culture was, he was the man who ruined Star Trek. Uh, according to fandom, he came in 
and the series got dumbed down rather uh, rather aggressively. Um, there are some really clunky episodes in season three, and um, this one uh, this one kind of qualifies. But I I love watching it. Now the way to Eden is also known uh, amongst those who watch it as the Space Hippies episode. As I said, Star Trek was often a way of telling stories of the day through science fiction metaphor. Uh, previously in Season 3, there's a really interesting episode about racism that is uh, using people who are black on one side and white on the other um, to sort of highlight the absurdity of the the racial strife that was going on at the time and um, uh, perhaps today. Uh, This one is addressing another thing, which is the rise of counterculture and its dominance. Uh, The rise of counterculture is something we've discussed on this podcast many times, whether it's um, the weirdly psychedelic final television appearance of the monkeys or say uh, beyond the Valley of the dolls or, um, the Smothers Brothers, the the counterculture was really becoming a concern for television and for a certain generation. So this particular episode is being used as a sounding board to discuss the counterculture. Now, originally, this episode was going to be entitled Joanna, and was going one of these space hippies was going to be the daughter of Doctor McCoy, and uh, I guess. The network didn't uh, that didn't appeal to them because they liked the idea of Dr. McCoy and Captain Kirk being seen as contemporaries, despite the fact that there's a fairly obvious age difference between them. They they really push for the idea of them being contemporaries. So uh, a daughter for Dr. McCoy, a teenaged daughter for Dr. McCoy is not going to have it. Instead, it ends up being a a paramour for uh, Mr. Chekhov. However successfully that worked out. The episode itself involves a, a group of space hippies under the sway of a Timothy Leary-esque religious leader who are trying to find Eden, a, a legendary planet where, um, well, obviously they named it Eden. You know what it's going to be like. It's supposed to be the a wonderful technology-free place where they can kind of drop out from society and form a utopian uh, brotherhood. Um, the uh, the planet Eden strikes me as every bit as dumb as when they're looking for Shakari in Star Trek V. Uh, but I, I have to say, I like the notion that the space hippies are rejecting technology and looking for a way to uh, to drop out of what they see as an over-mechanized society. Because as Star Trek has established, humanity has put a lot of its problems to rest. They've really developed into sort of a working utopia. And I say working because utopias you don't just rest on. You have to continue to work to make a better society happen. It's not just you wake up one day and, oh, we got rid of class and money and racial strife and everything is good. But the idea that there would be people that would reject the mechanization of utopia is an interesting one. And, uh, and it's, it's, not, it's not a terrible notion for an episode. Part of what makes this episode age poorly is uh, 
the attitude of the Enterprise to the space hippies themselves, because uh, the episode itself and probably the producers and writers make no bones of the fact that they consider hippies to be dirty, slovenly, stupid, uh, lazy, and all of the main characters uh, really, in the beginning in particular, are really dismissive of the space hippies. And I'm not 100% sure why. From the minute they beam on board the ship, Scotty's like, ugh, look at these guys. But they don't look fundamentally different than any other uh, alien of the week that shows up on the Enterprise. So I'm not quite sure why he's uh, so snooty towards them. Captain Kirk immediately comes in and... Um, not to be over dismissive, but, uh, William Shatner towards the end of the series, um, the, the hammy, uh, full of himself portrayal of Captain Kirk that a lot of lazy comedians do, I think is born from season three. He's an earnest, if over serious young man in the first season. And he is a, he's a warmer, uh, patriarchal character in the second. Here in the third, he becomes kind of a, a hammy bore, and he is in full bore for this particular episode. He has nothing and no time for these hippies. The um, the other the weird clunk of that is, of course, that Mr. Spock, of all people, is a fellow hippie deep inside, and that makes no realistic sense, and it makes the rest of the cast of the show look more stolid and more stupid by comparison. Now suddenly the most popular character on the show sympathizes with the hippies. How does that not make the rest of you look less cool by comparison? But yes, they consider the hippies to be um, stupid, time-wasting kids. The other part is the songs. I couldn't help but play you a few of the musical uh, accompaniments to the episode. There are so many of them. This episode is probably padded with a good 20 minutes of really weird hippie songs, mostly sang by uh, the actor Charles Napier, who was in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, by the way, and is a regular presence in B-movies forever and ever and ever. He's got a movie in particular that stars him and Ron Glass uh, where they're searching for aliens that is absolutely going to be the basis of a future episode of No Guilty Pleasures because I love it to pieces and it's dumb as a bag of hammers. Uh, back to dumb as a bag of hammers. Um, yes, lots of songs, including Mr. Spock playing his groovy uh, Vulcan lute along with them. And as you can hear from that last bit, of course, Eden is a terrible, poisonous place that the hippies can't live in. Because again, the, the episode, aside from the fact that the characters all dislike the hippies instantly, their goal is dismissed by the fact that once they find the planet Eden, it's a poisonous, acidic wonderland of fruit and vegetables that they can't have. Um, it feels like they've hit the wrong tone for this particular um, for this particular episode. It seems like they're coming down harsh on uh, the segment of the culture that is embracing Star Trek. So it's an odd misfire, certainly for the series. But the the camp value of it, the um, the funny songs and the funny clothes. And um, the um, the almost drinking game esque chants of Herbert Herbert uh, are worth your time. It's it's funny. It's nowhere near the worst episode of Star Trek. The worst thing Star Trek can ever be 
is boring. And there are boring episodes of Star Trek, believe me. And uh, this one is just funny, and it's fun. And, um, and it's a curiosity in that history never seems to fully accept where it's going to land in its place in history. Um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a scene in Goldfinger where James Bond mentions a an intemperate champagne as being almost as bad as listening to the Beatles without your earmuffs. Uh, a line that absolutely falls flat, splat on the floor today. And at the time, you know, pop culture sneering at the Beatles would have been, uh, you know, all the rage, never realizing that as it was going to age 50 years later, the Beatles would be a, a more culturally relevant part of modern life than James Bond certainly would. But um, that's another conversation, and one we'll probably get to at some point in a future episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I've been little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and we reach... Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and the Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth. Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and the Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.